Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We appreciate you tuning in again this week. This is Pastor Travis Alltop of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church here in Danville, Kentucky, and we welcome you to this week's Bible study program. And as always, we trust that you'll get your Bible out and follow along with us as we look into the Word of God and examine what the Bible actually says, not merely what it is presumed to teach. This week, I'd ask you to turn to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 is where we will be at today, and we're going to look at just a small portion of one of the greatest sermons ever preached, if not the greatest sermon ever preached on this earth. And of course, I'm speaking of the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the nation of Israel when he first began his public ministry. And uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, according to the Bible, who was God manifest in the flesh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, was undoubtedly, without any argument about it, the greatest preacher that ever walked uh, on this earth. Wouldn't you have loved to heard the Lord Jesus Christ expound the Bible? Listen, it talks about after he came up from the dead over there in Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, that he was walking along with a couple of disciples there on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that after he left them, that says they asked each other, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke with us, by the way, and talked with us? And you say, what was he talking to him about? He was giving them a little Bible study as they walked along and opening up the scriptures and opening up their understanding. And I'm going to tell you something. Good preaching will give you heartburn according to that passage. What did it say? It said, did our, not our hearts burn within us? And I'll tell you, real preaching will grab you and it will touch your heart. And uh, listen, you can still hear the Lord Jesus Christ preach today. You say, where at? Uh, in the pages of the old authorized version King James Bible. The truth of the matter is, while Jesus Christ is not with us physically upon the earth today, he is, of course, seated geographically. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father today, ever interceding to make intercession and making intercession for us. However, the Holy Spirit chose to record the words that he wanted us to have. He inspired those words. Men wrote them down, and God superintended them and preserved them according to Psalm chapter 12. And so if you want to hear the Lord Jesus Christ preach, then just turn to the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and examine what our Lord said to the crowds. Pay attention to the uh, punctuation. Pay attention to everything, and you will still you can still hear the Lord Jesus Christ preaching. And so this morning, we're going to take a section of this message and preach on something, uh, what I would call profitable praying. Let me ask you a question, those of you listening today. Do you have a prayer life? How's your prayer life? Have you ever pulled your stopwatch on your prayer life? Uh, Many times we sing old hymns such as Sweet Hour of Prayer. And can I tell you something that I know Christians and I fear that there are Christians even in the congregation that I preach to, uh, I fear that there are Christians who don't even spend an hour in prayer a week, let alone an hour in prayer a day. But I tell you, if you ever get into the presence of God and begin to commune with him through the Holy Spirit of God and come to God on his terms through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no sweeter place than the place of prayer. And our Lord Jesus Christ here in Matthew chapter 6 is going to give us some pointers, some clear instructions about how to have a profitable prayer life. Would you like to know what that is? Well, let's look here together in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 5. Let's listen to the Lord Jesus Christ as he instructs followers of him, uh, how to pray. The Bible says here, Matthew chapter six, verse five, Jesus speaking. And he says, and when thou prayest, I'd first like to point out that he doesn't say if thou prayest, listen, if you're a Christian, 
if you've truly been born again, you're going to pray some. You may not be praying as much as you ought to pray, but nevertheless, you will pray. If you don't pray ever, brother, you better check out whether or not you've ever come to God and met him. You better find out whether you've ever truly passed from death to life. When was the last time you talked to God? The Bible here says very clearly, Jesus speaking, he says, when thou prayest, not if thou prayest, but when thou prayest. He says, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And so with those few verses uh, that we've looked at this morning, let's look back at these things now and see if we can't learn some great truths, some simple truths. But I'm telling you, they're profound truths from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, in telling us how to pray profitably, the Lord Jesus Christ first tells us how not to pray. You say, how are we not to pray, preacher? Well, in verse 5, he says, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. So the first thing we're told is we're not to pray like hypocrites pray. You say, do hypocrites pray? Obviously they do. In verse 5, it says, They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Now, let me just say right here, what is he condemning? What kind of prayer is Jesus Christ warning against here? Well, he is not condemning public prayer. We can find him praying in public on many occasions. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ himself offered prayer there in John chapter 6? When the people sat down in the grass and he was about to feed them from the five loaves and two fishes, what did he do in front of those thousands of people? He looked toward heaven and he lifted his voice up and he gave thanks for the food. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. There's, this is not condemning you praying over at Cracker Barrel. Uh, in fact, I think it's a good testimony. Uh, we don't need a State of the Union address, but you at least could drop your head when the food shows up and say, you know something, I want to stop before I feed my face. I want to stop and thank God who provided the money uh, for me to have to pay for this meal, for, provided the food, provided uh, the health for me to be here. It'd be all right to stop for 20 seconds and thank God publicly. You're not ashamed to do that, are you? Amen. This is not, this passage right here in Matthew 6, 5 is not condemning public prayer. No, that's not the problem. The problem is the audience. And the audience is not the problem, but the problem is this. The hypocrite wants an audience because he likes to be seen of men doing spiritual things. So what Jesus Christ is looking into is this man's motives. What are your motives when you pray? Do you like to pray long in public so that people think that you're a spiritual giant? Listen, hypocrites do that. Do you know whether it's prayer, whether it's preaching, or whether it's doing any such thing, if, if the whole motive is so that you will be seen of men, then uh, behold, you have your reward. You'll never be rewarded or applauded from God uh, for those kind of activities and actions. 
Uh, listen, there's plenty of hypocritical uh, men within our churches and women within our churches who serve and do what they do, not because they love God, not because they're trying to serve God, not because they're praying to God, but rather everything they do is calculated to get the approval and applause of men. Hey, listen to me right here. Can I tell you something? Let me give you some insight into the depraved human nature that we all possess, the deceitful heart that we all have, the sinful heart that we all have. Let me give you some Good advice and good, good counsel right here. Did you know that your flesh never minds and does not mind doing spiritual activities if it knows it is going to get the proper amount of attention and applause and approval? Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. You can always tell the people who do that because if they don't get approval and they don't get applause, they're ready to quit. You ever hear somebody say, well, I used to do that over there at that church, but you know, nobody paid any attention to what I did. And I never even one time, uh, the pastor never thanked me. The pastor never mentioned my name in the bulletin. And I never did get a plaque in that church with my name on it. Friend, if that's your attitude, <clears throat> and it, that shows us why you're doing what you do. You're serving God as a hypocrite serves. You're doing it to be seen of men so that you can hear them say, hey, good job. You know what? If nobody ever notices what I do for the Lord, so be it. I don't want to hear men say, well done. I'd rather hear my heavenly father say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Could I get an amen right there? That's where amen goes. Amen. And I'm just saying this. Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray as the hypocrites pray. How do they pray? They pray to be seen and to be heard of men. Uh, you know something, you can always spot somebody who does not have a prayer life. You say, how can you do that? I'm going to give you a little tip. When the preacher calls on someone in your congregation to close in prayer, and they drone on for five minutes, you can be sure that you're hearing a hypocrite pray. Now, I didn't talk about corporate prayer pub publicly. If you're having a prayer meeting and people pray and you pray for 30 or 40 minutes, that's not what I'm talking about. I said when someone's called upon to open a service or to close a service in prayer, and they go on and on. An old preacher told me one time we were in a service together, and uh, a guy had prayed and just gone on and on and on. I knew this man wasn't right with God. On the way to the airport the next day, that preacher told me something. We got to talking about different things, and I mentioned about how that the service had been killed by this guy's long praying. He looked at me, and he said, young man, do you know why he prayed that long? And I really was puzzled, and I said, no, why? He said, because he doesn't walk with God, and he has no private prayer life. And he said, when a man's called upon to close in prayer, he goes, the first thing that happens when he knows he hasn't been in fellowship with Jesus Christ, and when he knows that he hasn't been walking with God, his conscience convicts him. And so he feels uh, pressured and pressed by the Spirit of God to try to make up for it. And so he prays and drones on and on and on in closing the service in prayer, and he gets real uh, wordy and does all that kind of stuff. He said, because his conscience is bothering me, he goes, you can always spot it. One time, an old preacher down in Texas at Shady Acres Baptist Church, Brother Jack Wood, I never met him, but he's in heaven now, but boy, I've heard him preach on CD, and I met some of the men that were trained up underneath that old man of God. He was salty, and one time they said that he had a church of about 250 people, and he called on a man to close in prayer one Sunday morning. He said, Brother Williamson, would you close us in prayer? And they said, Williamson just got to droning on and on and on. 
He wasn't closing in prayer. He was catching up on his prayer life. So Brother Wood looked up and he said, uh, Brother Smith, would you go ahead and close us in prayer while Williamson here catches up on his prayer life? How about that? Hey, I'm just saying, you want a profitable prayer life? Jesus Christ says the first thing you need to do is don't pray like hypocrites. Why do hypocrites pray? What do they pray? What's the problem with their prayers? It's not what they say, but why they're saying it. They're droning on because they have an audience. Verse 5 is a warning about not praying in order to impress men. Then there's a second warning given. This will kill your prayer life as well. And uh, before Jesus tells us here how to pray, he tells us how not to pray. And in verse 7, he says, when you pray, look at it with me. I'm in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Look at the word of God. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, this is important. Uh, We're not only to not pray as hypocrites, we're not to pray as heathen. You say, how do heathen pray? Well, first of all, the heathen were the lost Gentile people in the Bible. Heathen are always Gentiles. I know you watched Sanford and Son back in the 70s, and old Esther told Fred, called him an old heathen, and that meant just an old wicked uh, you know, sinner, but it was, it was bigger than that. I tell you what, I, I was thrilled one morning. I was getting my coffee, and I could hear my kids uh, there on the other side of the, uh, the room. They were talking. And my six-year-old was having a conversation with, my six-year-old son was having a conversation with my nine-year-old daughter. And he asked her the question, he said, are we Jews? And she said, no, we're heathen. And I thought, boy, that's the truth. You can tell they're growing up in a Bible-believing preacher's home. Because if you were not a blood-born Orthodox Jew in the Bible, a descendant of Abraham uh, and the Hebrew nation, then you are considered a heathen. That's how it falls. You're either a Gentile or a Jew. If you're a Gentile, another word that's synonymous with the word Gentile is the word heathen. Amen. Now, I'm no longer a heathen. I got born again. I've got a new bloodline, a new family I've been adopted into. But that's a message for another day. But nevertheless, did you know that lost people pray? Uh, Heathen people send up prayers to their God. But the problem with this kind of praying is they don't know God. They're ignorant of God, and they don't know how to approach Him, and they don't know how to get a hold of Him. So you know what they do? They just repeat empty phrases. They chant things. You know what the heathen prove? They prove that eternity is in every man's heart. Everybody prays. You say, yeah, that goes to show you that religion is just the figment of a man's imagination. Well, I would agree that religion is just a made-up way to get to God. I agree with that. But it doesn't prove that religion is dead. The fact that every heathen nation, whether they've got a church, a Bible, or a preacher, or a missionary or not, every nation around the world, America, Africa, wherever, the heathen prayed. You know why? Because they know there is a God, and they're crying out to him. The problem is... They cry out in superstition because they are ignorant of God. They don't know who he is. And so they think that by hollering and by chanting and repeating phrases, they might possibly get his attention. And you know something? uh, God wants to hear from our heart. He doesn't want a bunch of vain repetitions, repeated prayers, pre-written prayers that come out of somebody's, uh, you know, poem box. I got tickled. You say, well, you're preaching about we don't pray like that here in America. We're not heathen. Are you kidding? This is a heathen nation. 
Have you not watched the news lately? Watch what's going on. We're just, we're just a pagan nation that's just a little bit more cultured and refined than the uh, pagan nations over in India and Africa and all those other places. Hey, listen to me. Heathen praying goes on right here in America. I know some people who name the name of Christ who pray like heathen. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there's some people that uh, give the advice that you're just to chant the name of Jesus over top of, of a disease and it's going to go away. Man, that's heathen praying. That's just vain repetition. Hey, listen to me. I know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ personally, and I know there's power in his name, but we were never instructed just to repeat his name. I watched a video one year uh, somebody pointed, showed me on YouTube where somebody was out filming with their phone, this big F4 tornado. It was somewhere here uh, near Kentucky or in Kentucky, someplace down south here. And there was a big old tornado. Boy, you could see this thing bearing down on the town, and you could see the houses and the roofs and all that stuff getting blown away. And there was some charismatic Christian standing there with their hands in the air going, Jesus, 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 I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Gee, hey, I'm going to tell you something. You better quit standing and praying like a heathen, repeating things, vain repetitions, and you better take shelter in a cellar, get in a basement, or get under something. Amen. That's good advice right there. And go ahead and pray to God, but pray from your heart. Chanting the name of Jesus Christ over top of an F4 tornado is not going to do anything. And you can get mad at that if you want to. I know some of you listening going, I don't know about all that. No, listen, we have a relationship to God. The Bible says in verse 8, Jesus said, Be not ye therefore like unto them, like unto heathen who just repeat vain things and vain repetition and, and all of that stuff. It says, your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Jesus Christ and your father in heaven already know what you need. And what you want to do is you want to pray from your heart. God is interesting in, interested in hearing from you, from your heart. He's not interested in a bunch of magical incantations. And I'm telling you, just repeating the name of Jesus Christ over a disease or over a situation is not going to take it away. The Bible says you're to make your requests known unto God. So while you're taking cover under a table in the basement, that's when you say, Heavenly Father, you control the wind, and I'm asking you to protect me and my family and help us right now. That's the way to do it. But you don't stand in your front yard like a heathen and pray like a heathen by repeating the name of Jesus toward an F4 250-mile-an-hour whirlwind that's heading toward you. Amen. Yeah, I'm telling you, a little common sense goes a long way in Christianity. And you wonder why people make fun of Christians. Let's get our praying in line with what the Bible says. And Jesus Christ says just repeating phrases and empty phrases, vain repetition is not going to do a thing. Amen. God wants to hear from your heart. Not a bunch of, bunch of uh, repeated prayers. Had a lady one time approach me after a funeral. She said, do you have um, that prayer written down? Did you get that prayer out of a prayer book? I said, no, ma'am. And I, I wasn't uh, offended by that, but I thought, how sad. That woman thought that my prayer was, quote, beautiful. Okay. But the problem was that she thought that I had learned that from a book somewhere. No, uh, what you do is you just open your heart and you talk to God like Moses talked to him as a friend speaketh with a friend. God is a person and he wants to hear from his people and he doesn't want us repeating phrases and magical formulas thinking that that's going to get his attention. Hey, I'm reading it from the Bible. Jesus said, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. 
Why do they use vain repetitions? Jesus says, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Do you know something? Peter prayed from his heart when he began to sink that day in the Sea of Galilee. And he cried out, Lord, save me. That wasn't a whole lot of speaking. That was three words. And you know what? Jesus Christ reached down immediately and lifted him back up. So it's not even the length of time that you pray that necessarily gets God's attention. It's when you come to God on his terms and it's from the heart and it's real. You say, okay, preacher, Jesus has told us how not to pray. We're not to pray as hypocrites, wanting to be uh, applauded by men and impress men and impress an audience. That's hypocritical praying. We don't want to do that. Check your motive. Then check your method. Don't want to pray as the heathen. Just start repeating uh, phrases and names, and, and that's, what, that's not praying either. Lots of speaking, just nagging God. That's not going to get the job done. So, okay, that's how not to, not as heathen, not as hypocrites. How do we pray then, Lord Jesus? I want you to look in your Bible at verse 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Here's how you pray. Here is this great secret to profitable praying and to having a fervent and vibrant prayer life. Are you ready? This is profound. Look at verse 6. Jesus Christ says this, But thou, when thou prayest, he says, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door. Now stop with me for a minute. Let's talk about this. What is Jesus Christ talking about here? What is this uh, kind of praying? This obviously is not the hypocrite's prayer, and this is not the heathen's prayer. What kind of praying have we got going on here? It's real simple. It is the, the prayer closet indicates and insinuates that God enjoys private communion with you. A prayer closet insinuates privacy, quiet time, alone time with God. Now, this is profound. Don't just blow over this. Say, oh, yeah, the prayer closet. I've heard about that. No, listen to me. God desires fellowship with his people. He desires it so much that, listen, he already knows, according to verse 8, what we need before we even ask it. So why does he want to hear from us? He enjoys the fellowship. Christian friend, listen to me. When you were born again, when you trusted and put your faith in the gospel and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you know what that did, among other things? It opened up the privilege for you to talk to God. It opened up the Holy of Holies. You remember when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us in Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51, that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. It wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. A man could have possibly done that. No, it was done by God. God tore it. It started at the top of the veil downward. It was God reaching down and doing away with that old veil of the Old Testament. When Jesus Christ shed his blood, the blood had been applied. That's an eternal sacrifice, an eternal redemption that's offered. And now as priests of God, those of us who have believed upon Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are priests. Now we can enter into the Holy of Holies, not just once a year like the Old Testament priest did, but now through the blood of Jesus Christ and the veil of his flesh that's been torn for us, we can enter into the Holy of Holies and talk directly to God. Do you believe that? That's the, that's the facts. Why did God set it up that way? Because he enjoys fellowshipping with his people. And when you got saved, you were, quote, reconciled back to God uh, by the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
and now you have access. Your prayer closet doesn't mean necessarily a literal closet, but it means that quiet, still, private place where you go and commune with God, and that's where honest praying takes place. Do you know why? When a man's praying privately, quietly, that is not a hypocrite's prayer. Do you know why it's not? Because there's no audience in the prayer closet, in that private place, to impress. And when you're there praying in your prayer closet, listen, you're saying words that come from your heart because obviously when you're praying alone like that, uh, it's not for public display and you're not just repeating words in your prayer closet. You're in there pouring your heart out. You know what? Privacy is needed and private prayer is where the action is and that's where the most profitable kind of praying goes on. There's a story of the great old preacher, Brother Lester Roloff. Brother Roloff who passed away in a plane accident back in November of 1982, was a well-known preacher out of Texas. He was an independent Baptist. Now, he's made fun of even by the independents a lot today because of a lot of his wild convictions or what some thought were wild convictions. But uh, Brother Roloff wasn't short on convictions and standards, that's for sure. But one time, I believe it was his daughter that was being in, uh, interviewed, and they asked her, they said, uh, you know, your dad was such a strict Baptist preacher. You know, how did you feel about that? How was it growing up in his home? And she said, I never had any problem. She goes, following my dad's lead or knowing that his walk with God was real. Because she said, one time I was uh, in his bedroom and she said, I had crawled into his closet as a young girl. And she said, I was in that closet when dad walked in early in the morning. And she said, I was afraid, she goes, because he started praying and I didn't want to interrupt his prayer time. And she said, he prayed alone, what he, he thought he was alone. But she said, I was in that closet and I listened to dad pray for two hours. And she said, after hearing my dad alone with God, pleading and praying, she said, I never doubted the sincerity of his walk with God or the reality of his faith in God. You know why? Brother Roloff wasn't praying. He didn't know there was an audience in his prayer closet. He was praying to his father in secret, and God allowed that little girl to go into that secret place where uh, her dad and him were communing together. And you know, Jesus Christ believed in the prayer closet. He, he gives us the greatest, one of the greatest examples of it because we read in Mark chapter 1 in verse 35, one of the great verses that I love about Jesus' prayer life. Mark 1.35 says, in, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, he went out and departed, watch it, into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus Christ got alone and communed with his father. And you know something, that's how Judas knew where to take all the band of soldiers and religious leaders to arrest him, is he knew that he was going to be praying in his prayer closet, in that private place that night, and he sure enough found him there in the Garden of Gethsemane. You say, well, preacher G Peter, James, and John were there with him. Well, first of all, those three fell asleep. And number two, the Bible tells us that he went about a stone's cast from him. You know why? He said, you pray with me, but he still got alone because he was in agony and wanted to pray to his father in secret. That is the key to profitable praying. You've got to get alone with God. You know what the prayer closet insinuates? It insinuates privacy, but it also insinuates quietness. You've got to get away from the distractions of the day. The devil knows what he's doing. Isn't it amazing that 2 Corinthians 
Corinthians chapter 2, it uses these words, this phrase in a King James Bible. It says, we're not ignorant, speaking of Satan, we're not ignorant, quote, of his devices. Isn't it interesting that the Bible, amen, in 1611 uses the word, the devil's devices? Uh, today, I look around, and you know why most Christians don't have time to pray? is because of all of their, quote, devices, their iPhones, and all of those things, those applications on those phones, those electronic devices, video, handheld video games, and handheld computers uh, that's called an iPhone. Listen, you know what those things will do? Those things will eat up your time, and they'll take the quiet time away from you. And I'm telling you, friend, if you want to have a vibrant, victorious prayer life, you've got to establish a prayer closet. It says right there in verse 6, But thou, Jesus gives us the secret to profitable praying. Look at it as we close. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Now watch it. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. Here's the promise. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God will answer and honor and reward publicly the private praying of his people. May God help you to establish a prayer closet and a prayer life. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.